Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. So are we hardwired for connection like Angelique says? I mean, I definitely believe we are. I believe we're missing that. Well, good evening or good afternoon or good morning, my friends, wherever you may be listening to this right now. Welcome to the Turned On Podcast. And I'll repeat, the question is, are we hardwired for connection? Meaning, God put that in our our DNA. We're supposed to be connecting with one another on a big level, and that's being threatened right now. And a secondary result of that connection with our fellow man being lost is we are now having to rewire our brain sometimes. Like, we are in our heads so much nowadays. I talk to people and they're like, I wake up in the middle of the night stressed out, or uh, I can't focus during the day. Why? Well, you name it. <laughs> you name it. There's there's a ton of reasons out there why we can't focus, but here's the repercussions. If we can't focus, if we can't get in tune in our own head, how are we ever going to accomplish things and get things done and bless our families and bless our loved ones? We have to get out of our head to get productive, like the title of this podcast says. We are stuck. 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 So much in our heads. And again, we're more alike than we are different. You know you're stuck in your head about certain things. I know I'm stuck in my head about certain things. But we have to ask ourselves... How do we get out? How can we get some clarity and some peace? We're always kind of fighting for these moments of clarity and peace in our life. If I can just do this, then I can have some peace of mind. Sound familiar? If I can just get this done, then I can accomplish this. If I can just get the kids to be quiet, I can finish this book. If I can just finish school, then I can get on with this business. If I can just get this money, then I can do that. So... We're clouded by thoughts, and that's nothing new. But what is new? What's new about our heads that maybe wasn't a problem for our parents? Information. A lot of it. Tons of it. Too much of it. Constantly. You think about your parents. Ask them, hey, mom and dad, how did you guys get along? How did you guys, you know, operate on a day-to-day basis when you were in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, 50s, whatever it may be? Well, 
We went to work. We had relationships with people. We had a job. And that's what we did. We came home. We made dinner. We spent time with the family. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. (laughs) I think a lot of us would say, hey, you know what? I'll take that right now. But let's work with what we got. Today, I'm going to give you three things to help you get out of your head and get more productive. And I'm going to use my favorite method. I'm a lover of movies and pop culture and teaching lessons. I love to teach or speak with what I call anchors. And a pop culture anchor or a reference or even a metaphor is something that you see it and you could make that connection in your head because either you've heard of it, you've experienced it, or it's just that metaphor for what you're feeling. Amen? So let's get to the start of this. I'm going to use three different movies. I hope you're going to like them. I'm guessing you saw at least one or two, maybe all three. If not, maybe it's just a suggestion to check them out at a future time. But where do we start getting out of our heads? Let's start here with a quote from a writer named Stella Grisant from Forbes Magazines. And she writes about being in our heads. It's when you obsess about something, when you obsess about a decision. It's when you're confused and you feel like you don't have any choices. That's when we get stressed. That's when we feel like our mind is going too fast and we need to slow down. Slow down. You move too fast. You got to make the moment last now. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. It's a decision. When you're confused, have you been confused lately about anything? When you're feeling like you're up against the wall and you don't have any choices. Hmm? Or how about this? She says, when you're so angry, so resentful, and so scared that you fail to see the goodness and the abundance and the love that's right in front of you. Hey, now, I think she is onto something. Yes, there's goodness, there's love, there's abundance in front of us, but we are so fearful, so resentful sometimes, so angry, so confused with all these choices, we can't see it. Simon and Garfunkel, slow down. You move too fast. Got to make this moment last. She says, you're just not thinking about what you're actually doing and you're not present. We're going to get to that. That's one of the ways that we can prosper. One of the three things to help get out of our heads and get productive is going to be presence. We talk about this a lot here. It's a constant struggle. My friends, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you what a struggle it is with me, and I know it is with you, and I know it's with your kids and with your spouses. And here's how I know. Presence was one of the main themes of the Turned On book researched, written about, and yet I still struggle with it. Can I admit that? Let me ask you a question. Do you think every person out there who's written a health and exercise book, a book about dieting or exercise or how to get fit, do you think they just breeze through life? Do you think they ever look at a hamburger and say, no, I don't need it. I wrote that book about it. Why would I need to eat a hamburger? I wrote a book about health and fitness. Why would I want that piece of cake or those french fries? No. We can write about things. We can feel it. We can teach it even. It doesn't mean we're immune from the trap that is sweets. It doesn't mean we're immune from the trap and the allure of social media, of 
electronic stimulus or just busyness, okay? So I'm giving you that there. And if, if it turns out that most people are confused or stressed or their heads are clouded, it's for a reason. Why can't we focus? Well, in this article, she points out that Harvard researchers found that people spent 46% of their waking hours thinking about something other than what they're doing at the moment. Half the time you're doing something, you're thinking about something else. Are you agreeing? Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you kind of are having a hard time concentrating? And the problem with being in our head so much and the problem with thinking so much is that it does distract us. It takes us away, our focus away, and typically then results in things that make us unhappy. Unhappy. We don't want to be unhappy. Okay? Half the time. Right now, I have to struggle to get your attention because there are other things right now trying to get your attention. Hey, listen to me. (laughs) I'm talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, you. Yeah, I know you're distracted. Give me me 20 minutes here, and I'm going to lay out three things that will help you prosper because half the time you're thinking about something else. Let's get somewhere. First thing. First thing, get out of your head and get productive. What's the first thing? Well, the first thing is I call don't believe the hype. Flavor Flav, don't believe the hype. Comparison, they say, is the what? Mm, What is it? Comparison is the thief of joy. And these days, boy, do we love to compare. Oh, we love to compare. Even if we don't admit it, we do. We live in this world of comparison. Okay? We care, so we compare. But why do we care? Why do we care what other people think? It's always been there. There's been these things back in the day. They're called what? When you were in high school, there was a clique or a group. And you sat at the lunch table or you hung out with certain people and you dressed a certain way because you cared, because you compared. Well, let me ask you a question. Where would I get an example hmm, from a movie of high school kids who are comparing themselves and they all came from different backgrounds and different cliques, but they were all put together in one room? I give you Mr. Bender. And Miss Claire. Comparison. What do you care what I think anyway? I don't even count, right? I could disappear forever and it wouldn't make any difference. I may as well not even exist at this school, remember? And you don't like me anyway. You know, I... Okay, Bender, what a great example. We can look at this movie, and if you're young and you haven't seen Breakfast Club, man, you got to go out and get it. How old? First, how old am I? Yeah, you got to go out to Blockbuster. You got to rent that movie. You got to go out and get it. (laughs) Jeez, I'm showing my age there. Hey, you go to your computer, your TV, and you pull it up on Netflix. It's the Breakfast Club. You don't go out and get it. You don't have to get in your car and go to Blockbuster and rent it. 
<laughs> but great lessons there. Comparison. Why do we compare? You don't even care about me. I'm not on your level. And we see that now creeping into our lives everywhere. Everywhere. Why? I don't want to harp on social media. I believe it's good, but it has infiltrated our lives to a great degree. What if we didn't have it? Would things be better? I'm guessing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's another Forbes writer, Kathy Caprino. And she writes on this subject. She says, it's critical to remember that social media platforms like Facebook, which can be helpful and enjoyable in many ways, like we just said, yep, they encourage us to put out into the world the most sanitized, flattering, and praiseworthy versions of ourselves rather than the real, raw experiences that we're having. And you know this. And you know this. We're putting a facade out there. And she says this. Listen closely. She says, ask yourself this simple question. How many selfies have you taken of yourself or with your friends that never end up being shared? Hmm. Hundreds? Thousands, maybe? She goes, I guess because you censor and judge them so harshly that most of them never see the light of day. Only the most beautiful and flattering make it. You know this. And right now, go ahead. Put your finger, your pointer finger, and push, put it right there in the center of your chest and start tapping it and go, yep, that's me. I've done that. Maybe one day you're driving or you're in a mall or you're, you're watching some person take selfie after selfie, and they're oblivious to what's going on around. They're just in their own world because they're trying to present this. And when you step outside and see it, you're like, oh, my gosh. You want to scream at that person. You want to go, hey, you look ridiculous. Like, okay. But then you think, oh, my God, that I've done that probably before. Like, I can't point the finger at that person because I've done that. So we are in this world. We are in this world where, where society trains us to compare ourselves using these measures of worthiness, beauty, age, weight, money, social status, likes, marital status. And then she, she concludes this thing. There's extreme pressure. That's why we're not happy. That's why we're not focused. That's why we're not being productive because we're under this extreme pressure to achieve these measures set up by social media and, and that they're not really bringing us the personal joy and fulfillment. How many times have you looked for a, the perfect picture on your phone for a post and you're like, I just wasted 20 minutes of my life doing this. And you're like, oh, we're sucked in, sucked in. How we break free, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm telling you this, but we got we to gotta change in a major way at least we got to remind ourselves how ridiculous it is because we're always comparing somebody else's ideals of happiness to our own. And most of the time, it might not even be their reality. It's just what they want us to see. And, and this is nothing new. This happened before, before social media. Now we just see it easier and we have these 
these kind of storefronts up there. I compare it to walking through the mall, and everybody's store looks perfect, right? But when you go into the store, it's not perfect, or maybe the, maybe the store is not making any money in a metaphorical sense. And let's go back in history because I'm a student of history. Before social media, there are famous people out there that even if you don't know exactly who they are or what they do, you've heard the name. And you're like, whoa, that person's super famous. Yeah. Well, sometimes things don't turn out so good. But we don't know that. We just remember that person's super famous. Ernest Hemingway? How about that guy? Ernest Hemingway, one of the greatest writers of all time. Uh, A celebrated author, to say the least. Who was... A complete drunk, I mean, of the worst sort, who failed in just about every romantic relationship that he had and ended up shooting himself. Okay, but we know the name. What's behind it? Where's the happiness? How about uh, a guy named Albert Einstein? Hmm. Genius. Everybody knows Albert Einstein. We've seen his pictures. We hear it. We still say his name today. Absentee father. Just not a good father. So much so, his oldest son once said, probably the only project that my dad ever gave up on was me. Okay? So we see that what can be presented or what we can see as celebrity or as true happiness behind the curtain, when The Wizard of Oz opens it, you're like, hey, it's not what was really going on there. And as you get older... One of the things that becomes more evident, and I'm going to say this from experience, as you get older, one of the things that becomes more evident is that people with money or power or true happiness rarely have to flaunt it. I'm not saying you can't be rich and happy. I'm not saying you can't be powerful and happy. I'm saying the people who really have money, who really have power, and who truly have happiness, they don't flaunt it. One of the richest guys I know when we'd go out, he'd wear jeans and sneakers. And nobody would ever know how much money he had. And he didn't have to show it off. So, you know, those end up being like the CEOs uh, that you see that you just never know. And the people who really try and show it off are often they don't. And look, sometimes it's just being young. Let's face it. I'll admit it. I had the convertible. I had like the fancy shoes and the, the three-piece suits. And I look back now and I'm like, you know what? It was a time in my life where I thought that's what I needed in order for people to see that I was successful. But right now, success has changed for me. Success is seeing my girls thrive. You know, success is having a home for them that doesn't look like, you know, a Pinterest home, but it looks like a home where they love and we can watch family movies, which I'm going to get to the next one here in a second. So for a long time, I did get lured into that. I wore the brands. I cared about what car I drove. And truth be told, it was a little bit fun while it lasted. I mean, if you have to go through that, then go through it. You know, it's not terrible, but come out of it. You know, even even in my, my career as a sports reporter, I thought I was so cool when I got that job covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was in the press box, and there's Al Michaels, you know, There's all the big shots on Monday Night Football. 
all the players. I'm interviewing Peyton Manning, and I'm interviewing Warren Sapp, and I'm talking to Kurt Warner, and it boosted my ego. But after a while, it's just a job, and I quit because I wanted to go to the football games with my family. I wanted to enjoy them. I didn't care about what it was anymore. In other words, here's why we compare. Here's why we want to be things. After a while, it's always going to come down to what's underneath. And, and the, the flare goes away. I'd rather go with my own daughter and sit at a game and watch the whole thing than get to go in the locker room and interview a famous player. It just, it just loses its luster really quick. And so that's the first thing, my friends, is whether you're Bender sitting there in detention with the other guys and you're like, nobody even cares about me. We come from different places. Or whether you're really worried about projecting this image, at some point it gets a little bit old. And we, we can't make this mistake comparing the reality of our life with this highly, what they call fictionalized, and sanitized, touched-up version of somebody else's life. Because we never know what their life is about and what they're dealing with. That's what I found out in this article, which really opened my eyes. Okay? That's the first thing. Now, the second thing is something that we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast. Presence. To be present. We've fallen victim And when I use that word victim, it's a strong word, but we are victims to the digital information age. We've fallen victim. It has, if you are uh, in a robbery and somebody steals your wallet, you are a victim, right? So somebody is stealing our peace and our joy and our time with our family, something, we've fallen victim to that. So I will use that word here. And if we're not present, it's really hard to accomplish things when we get distracted. So think about this. I think the statistic, and I can't be exact, but they say when you're in the zone, you're being creative or you're working or you're being productive, whether it's working on something around the house or working on a proposal for your business, when you're in the zone and you get distracted and you get interrupted, they say, when you come back, it takes 20 minutes to get back into that same zone or train of thought. And, and I know this firsthand from writing my first book. I'd be sitting there, I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone, and, you know, some things are natural. Kids crying or phone rings or someone's out the door, and I get distracted, and then I come back, and I'm like, where was I? So we have to be able to get back in that creative space, and it's not easy. How else can we be productive? Well, what about with our faith? How has not being present hurt us in our spiritual walk, our walk with God? Can it? Sure. Sure it can. Absolutely. Um, You know, we can listen to podcasts. You're listening to one right now. Thank you for that. We could read books. We could um, watch videos. We could go to church physically go to church and worship. But, you know, the best advice I got in terms of my faith, and I've got it on two different occasions, and I just got it recently. The person said, 
Here's what you need to do. You need to go to a quiet place where nobody will bother you. You need to draw a big circle in chalk. And you need to sit in that circle and not move until you get a word from God. How's that for being present? Didn't say go to church. Didn't say put on worship music. Didn't say read the Bible. Go sit. Sit in a circle. Make a chalk circle and sit there. And don't leave until God speaks to you. How's that for presence? It's got to happen. I haven't tried it yet. I'm going to, I promise you that. So we see it in, in, our, in our work, and we can see it certainly in our, in our faith then. What about other parts? What about with our children? What about with even people in our family? And certainly in the situation we're at right now, in our communities, and I will extend the community to social media community, we're lacking presence because we're lacking one word, and it's a godly word, I think, is empathy. We're lacking empathy, the ability to understand and share feelings. Where do I get that from? Well, have you looked at social media? Have you turned on the news? We are lacking the ability to share feelings and understand people. Now, here's my clip for this particular one from a movie. Now, this is an older one. You've heard of Audrey Hepburn? Hepburn. You've heard of Fred Astaire? Movie called Funny Face. Listen to this clip about empathy. Oh, what's empathicalism? The most sensible approach to true understanding and peace of mind. Sounds great, but what is it? Based on empathy. Do you know what the word empathy means? No, I'll have to have the beginner's course on that one. Empathy, uh, is it something like sympathy? Oh, it goes beyond sympathy. Sympathy is to understand what someone feels. Empathy is to project your imagination so you actually feel what the other person is feeling. You put yourself in the other person's place. Do I make myself clear? You put yourself in the other person's place. How easy is it to not do that when we just want to say, this is what we believe, this is what we should be doing, this is what you need to do. And so often it's so easy to lack empathy. And one of the first things that I try and teach my students to do in Speak Up is to always put themselves in the mind, in the heart of the listener, of the viewer. I hope I do that here. I try to. I'm always asking myself, who's listening? What are they feeling? What are they experiencing? How can I empathize with them? How can I tell them that a lot of what they're going through is what I'm going through? How can we share this experience even though we're not with each other in the same room? Empathy. Empathy. Not just sympathy. Oh, I got it. But empathy. To put myself in your place. That is what the world needs more of. If we could just put ourselves in other people's places instead of always flying off the handle and judging and, and pointing and just forcing people to do things. And, and the last part of the presence model goes even deeper into the home. And it's funny, but it's not funny. It's funny because I use Clark Griswold. Now, I'm not going to play a clip, but I will tell you, 
I put this in my book, Clark Griswold. (laughs) I feel a lot of myself in Clark Griswold. And it's not because he didn't have great intentions. We can, we can lack presence even when we have the best intentions. Think about that. Now, Albert Einstein's son said his dad was an absentee father and, and never was with him. Now, I don't know what Albert Einstein's intentions were, but I know even our best intentions, and we go to Clark Griswold, his best intention was to provide for his family. His best intention was to give his family everything. In fact, he tried so hard that what happened? He often messed it up. He often tried so hard and wanted to do so much for them and give them so much that it ended up always, and that's kind of his his shtick, it ended up always backfiring. And the kid's like, Dad, I, I get it. You want to do all this stuff, but can't we just can't we just chill and spend time together? So that's sometimes where my presence is tough. I go and I try and make family movies and I try and do these things, and sometimes Angelique's like, I get it. I get it. You want to do these things for the kids, but sometimes we just need you. And that's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. So in Clark Griswold's zest for getting it all in, it can sometimes backfire. And why can't we just enjoy the present, Dad? It doesn't have to be perfect because in your quest to be perfect and do all and please all, guess what? You're just creating more frustration and we're missing more moments that you're trying so hard to create. Yes? Okay. Presence. How do we get there? We see that. Comparison. We know. What's the third thing that we can do to get out of our heads and really start being productive? Commitment. Commitment to success. In, in the football world, Al Davis, the old Raiders, was commitment to excellence. In the Bible, it's Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You will reap if you do not give up. Do not grow weary. Do not grow tired. Life is supposed to be hard. Success is going to be hard. A marriage is going to be hard. Raising your kids will be, oof, new parents, the hardest thing you probably ever do. But don't give up. Don't give up. We see it in business. Again, let's go to history. Have you guys ever heard of the name Tennessee Williams? First of all, it's an awesome name. He's neither from Tennessee nor lived in there, but his dad was. So he adopted the name Tennessee, I think, when he was 29. But Tennessee Williams is a, I mean, that's a nice name. But he is also one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. He's a playwright. And Tennessee struggled. He struggled and he struggled and he struggled. And he had a string of just really odd, weird jobs as he wanted to be a writer. I think at one time they said he even had a stint as a caretaker on a chicken ranch in Laguna Beach, California. And for those of you that don't know, a chicken ranch is not where the animals are. It's something else. But Tennessee Williams struggled. And in one of his earlier quotes, he said, Being disappointed is one thing. 
and being discouraged is something totally else. He goes, I'm disappointed, but I'm not discouraged. Think about that. Let's go back. I'd like to examine that quote. Being disappointed is one thing, but being discouraged is something else. I'm disappointed, but I'm not discouraged. So we can get disappointed, certainly. But discouraged is something totally else. You can be disappointed along the way, but if you get discouraged, that's what's going to take you away from your goals. So what did he do? He, what I call this ride-or-die philosophy, this commitment to excellence, this I'm going to put my best foot forward and do it at any cost. Well, he committed himself as a young writer when he was struggling. He committed himself to writing one short story per week. Now, that's a lot. Any of you out there that are writers, you know it's a lot. And to do that every single week, but he wanted to get better. I tell my Speak Up students, guess what? You got to practice, like Alan Iverson says. We're talking about practice. You talking about practice? We, yes, we are talking about practice. That's the only way to get better at something. I guarantee that you cannot get worse at something if you practice it. It goes against the laws of nature. So commitment is huge. And what happened? Well, he ended up being one of the three foremost playwrights of the 20th century. He wrote plays like The Glass Menagerie. He wrote A Streetcar Named Desire, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Extremely, extremely successful. But he committed to his craft. A lot of us don't have that commitment to our craft. Because we're distracted, because we're not present, because we're comparing ourselves, we fail to do the ride-or-die stuff. Tennessee also said, don't look forward to the day you stop suffering because when it comes, you'll know you're dead. In other words, don't look forward to this time when it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pipe dream that there's going to be a time in your life when you're not going to experience some type of suffering or strife. He goes, don't look forward to that day because if it comes, you're dead. He's got a good point there. Okay. So the temptation uh, to want to find this, metaf- uh, this um, metaphorical place where you just, you know, everything's rainbows and ice cream and everything's great, it doesn't happen. We need that ride-or-die mentality. Now, there's a movie back in 82 that I love, and I don't know, if, hopefully this doesn't have any curse words, but I'm going to preface it, might have one. And this is a movie called An Officer and a Gentleman. Okay? Louis Gossett Jr. plays the sergeant, and he is trying to get Richard Gere, who plays the uh, his, his, his military uh, officer, he is trying to get him to quit. And I love this, and I've played it at events that Angelique and I have spoken at. I love it because sometimes your back is going to be up against the wall. And you don't think you got dig in you. You don't think you can handle what God's put on your plate. And sometimes it's just at that point where you're like, I got nothing else. And that's what he says. Listen to this. Why would a slick little hustler like you want to sign up for this kind of abuse anyway? I want to fly jets, sir. My grandmama wants to fly jets. I want it since I was a kid. We're not talking about flying. We're talking about character. 
I've changed. I've changed since I've been here. Hell, you have. I've changed, sir. No. Just polished up your act a little bit. You just shined it up. Now tell me what I want to hear. I want your D O R. No, sir. I want your D O R. I ain't gonna quit. Spell it. D O R. I ain't gonna quit. Yeah, then you can be free, and you and your daddy can get drunk and go hole chasing again, huh? No, sir. D O R. I ain't gonna quit. All right, then you can forget it. You're out. Don't you do it. Don't you. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Wow. Oof. I get chills watching that. If you haven't seen it, it's again, it's an officer and a gentleman, and he's trying to get his officer to quit and, and turn in his papers. And Richard Gere's at the end of his rope. He's got nothing else. This is all he wanted in his life to fly jets. And his dad left him and his girlfriend left him. And and he had the talent, but he's messed up. And he's just at his at his rope's end. And he's doing leg lifts and Here's Gossett Jr. just screaming at him, quit, turn in your papers. And he just looks at him crying as a grown man and says, I got nothing else. Sometimes your back needs to be up against the wall. I, I've coached people and I've seen people recently even where they're like, my back's just up against the wall. And I have empathy for them. I feel them. And I bring them in and I say, I get it. And then I go right back here. I said, okay, good. I feel you. I know it hurts. I know you're scared. But go get it now. Like your back's up against the wall. Now you have no choice but to fight. And sometimes that's what people need when, especially when we're put into these comfortable situations. You got to fight. People say ride or die a lot. You know, it's a really common phrase now. And people talk really tough on social media. And we make great plans that what we're going to do and how we're going to win and how we're going to succeed. But I'll tell you this, the winners and losers will always be separated by the ability to work hard and stay focused when nobody else is watching. We are in a society right now where we want it now, we want it fast, we want it quick, and we don't want to work for it, and that's not the way life works. We all struggle with it. I haven't conquered it yet. Every day I try to motivate myself, and it's tough. But you have to have a ride-or-die attitude. It's all we got. One life. One life. Continue. For in due season, you will reap if you do not give up. So that'll do it for this show, guys. I want to just remind you that, hey... Get out of your head. Get productive. Stop comparing yourself on social media. Don't believe what somebody else's life looks like. Concentrate on your own. And how do you do that? You become present. Present with yourself, present with your family, most of all, present with your God. Sit in that circle till you get a word from him. Sit in silence and listen. And then when you get the word, don't let anything stand in your way. Don't let anything stand in your way. Just take it as if that's all you got. I hope this helps. Share it with your friends. Come back and see us right here on the Turned On Podcast.